Hi, everybody. I'm Elizabeth. Thanks, Kate. All right. Welcome. <clears throat> welcome, welcome. Okay, yes, we're on step seven. And we're going to take a look first at the 12 and 12. So you, if you have it, and you want to open it. Otherwise, I'm going to read the passage. It's on page 72 in step seven. And um, last week, we talked a lot about step six and that turning point, how we're looking down from steps one through six at our past. Step seven is where we turn and look at step seven through 12, which is our future. And so now we wanna come back to this moment and be here and, and find out what is the essence of step seven. Step six, we talked about willingness as being the essence of step of step six. And so step seven, this lack, so we're at the uh, middle of the page on page 72. And I'll read the sentence before just to connect it. We never thought of making honesty, tolerance, and true love of man and God the daily basis of living. This lack of anchorage to any permanent values, this blindness to the true purpose of our lives produced another bad result. So basically, it's, you know, we, we just found out what our anchorage has been. We've got this list of defects. We've got this list this overview of our life and how we've been being in the world. And that's what's been anchoring us in our experience. And so now this reading is talking about saying, okay, that wasn't a good anchorage. That was, that was going in the wrong direction. None of us thought to make honesty, tolerance, true love of man and God the daily basis of living. So this length, lack of anchorage to any permanent values, this blindness to true purpose of our lives produced another bad result. For just so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our own individual strength and intelligence. Another way of saying that is by our self-reliance. For just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. Because I can't have two, right? I can't be in self-reliance and God-reliance at the same time. I have to choose. I have to make a decision. So for just so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our own individual strength and intelligence, for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. Well, why was it impossible? Because my self-reliance, my self-will my operating from my mind, my thoughts, I have an idea, that idea then becomes action. That is the very block of God's will. So that's why it's impossible. This was true even when we believed that God existed, right? So I could have thoughts that, yeah, there's a God. But if I'm operating from my mind only, and there's no dropping into my heart, if there's no quiet between my ears, I can't hear my heart. I can't feel or hear that intuitive voice 
that intuitive thought. And so my mind is running the show. And God is being eased out, blocked out. And then every once in a while, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. But still, it's it's operating up here. And so it's still, I'm not having that experience of being connected to a creator that is loving, compassionate, open, good, whole. This was true even when we believed that God existed. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs, which remained barren because we were still trying to play God ourselves. As long as we placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question. That basic ingredient of all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will. And so humility is that foundation of step seven. And humility to me can get all kinds of, you know, especially in the beginning and through the years, it can just be complicated. Now it's really simple. I just, it tells me right here what humility is, a desire to seek and do God's will. So we talked early in the earlier steps about wanting. When I want something that's different than seeking and doing God's will, there's a collision. There's always a collision because those are two different ideas. Those are two different things. And so now I'm at that point where we look back at the past over our past lives, one through six, we we see these steps ahead of us, one through seven through 12. And then I turn back to the present moment and step seven allows me to drop to my knees, drop to my knees. And it gives us this beautiful prayer in the big book, which is the essence of that paragraph that I just read. So now um, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and Kate's going to give us an example of one, how we find our defects, and then just a practical example of how we do this in our day to day. Over to you, Kate. Thank you, Elizabeth. Good morning, everybody again. And, um, you know, this was a baffling, what Elizabeth read was a baffling experience to me when I would read it in my mind because I was like, but I do believe in God and I take all the right actions. Like, well, what, how can I still be falling into self-reliance if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? And so it says we were still trying to play God ourselves. That's what step three has identified as being the core problem. Lack of power is my problem in step two. Then in step three, it says, well, the lack of power is I don't have power over other people. And the way that I use power is to endow myself with the power to make things on the outside and things on the inside feel different. Then in step four and five, we've cataloged what hasn't worked. And we've looked at it really and tried to get some neutrality and some distance with another person. Step six, we're really looking at those those common themes 
of that inventory and seeing them as having formed a pattern in our lives and given us results that we don't want. And probably if we've been in the program, any of our wonderful programs, we've started to taste that sweet secret sauce. Even if it's just in the examples of people around us who are really practicing of, of something higher than self-will, something higher than thinking, or as Elizabeth said, something lower from head to heart. So when we're, we're here in step seven again, we're directed back to this idea of I'm still trying to play God. And so we're, we, I want to point that out as this is an idea that was introduced to us way back in the beginning of the steps. We're going to keep returning to this as our central obstacle to true higher power dependence. And so... I'm just going to give you guys an example in the spirit of transparency and also because we want to be really practical. And how do I find out what my defects are? So in step six and step seven, I may have this list. Everyone in their lineage may do this a little bit differently. But I'm going to talk about one from just the last couple days, the last week. So um, and here's why it's important. I can't ask God to remove in step seven what I don't see as a result of four, five, and six. And not only do I have to see it, it has to be objectionable to me. So like there were plenty of things y'all that I have seen in fourth and fifth steps over the years that I was like, you know, it's really not time. That one I'm still, I'm still getting something out of, you know, I'll look at money later. I'll look at food later. I'll look at, you know, um, the way that I punish myself at work by not going to the bathroom and not taking breaks for meals. I'll look at that later. That's, that's not what I need to look at now. So I have to see the defect and I have to consider it objectionable. Those things form the willingness in step six. So how does this usually come up in my daily life? I usually get in trouble and <laughs> feel like a small child. Um, so I've had something at work. Um, I've had something come up in a meeting. I get resentful in my home group. Uh, I overspend. I have an issue with money. Um, I don't buy groceries and I need groceries. Uh, that was one that would come up for me, the scarcity stuff. Um, I'd have an issue with um, an imagined significant other or um, an insignificant other, as I used to call them, um, or with a friend or with food, right? It comes up in these different areas. So another way it can come up that a defect presents itself to me is I've actually gotten resentful or fearful and I've written out the inventory in a 10th step and I've gone over it with a fellow and the fellow has pointed out the defect like, hey, do you see this? Do you see this? Um, another way that I may see a defect is I'm just regularly being honest with somebody like a sponsor and the continuity of that relationship provides a space in which I'm open and willing to hear. Uh, their feedback. And then these days, I also am going to see it in my meditation. If I'm sitting in the mornings quietly, my higher power is going to give me lots of information as I go through about my day, what I may need to look at. So um, I'm going to give you, I made actually a list for me and in, in preparation of this meeting 
of four of my most current and most practiced defects. And I'm only going to go over one of them. Um, so one from last week was um, not stopping activities or errands and doing when I was tired, stressed, and frazzled. Um, I, it was pointed out to me twice by my sponsor um, and several other times by people around me. And my spiritual condition, I was vibrating. I was meditating, but I was vibrating all day. That's not my normal spiritual state. And I don't like to live like that, but I wasn't willing to stop. So it had to be pointed out to me. Um, the next thing I did was I saw it. It wasn't objectionable to me yet. I was still managing and I had, I had things to get done on my to-do list. And I was going to go to God after I finished my to-do list. Isn't that always the way it is? Oh yeah, God, well, I'll get around to being spiritual, but I've got a list of errands and I need some stuff to get done. Right. Okay. So, um, and yes, I'm taking sponsee calls. I'm going to my meetings. I'm doing my nightly review and I'm doing my meditation, right? This is what we're talking about. Knee deep in the program, the way that I live moment to moment quietly with my God still needs work. And the work is surrender. And if I can even listen, once I hear my sponsor, I get to take the suggestion or not. I get to keep on driving above the speed limit or I get to pull over. My sponsor literally said to me, you can stop. And I wasn't willing to stop until I was. And I asked God for help. And the intuition that came was to turn my car around and abandon the three things on my to-do list that I was going to do. And actually, let me just be honest, on the way home, I did one of them anyway. <laughs> that's how I am. I'm going to surrender, but I'm going to just do the little teeniest, tiniest part of self-will I can get away with. I didn't do all three, but I did one of them. Okay. So the intuition that came was, I'm just, I need to breathe. I need to breathe. And so it just so happened that I was going on vacation a couple of days later. The way I usually am on vacation is let's see the activity list. Let's see the list of things to do. And we've got to make sure we do all of them right now because we're never going to have another vacation again. And we're never going to be here again. And if I don't do everything, like I sound like a crazy person, right? I sound like someone who can't sit still, who has a meditation practice. And I see that and I go, God, please help me. And so I became willing to not respond and to not be available thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And that's really difficult for me because so much of my self-esteem and my sense of who I am comes from being available in my 12-step work and comes from how can I give. But what I do with that is I take God-reliance of 12-step work and then I go to a place where there's no space for me to breathe or eat or rest or sleep. And so that's where my challenge is today. I don't know how to balance on my own. My dear friend on this meeting said, God, help me balance. And that's step seven 
for me today. And I'm flying home today. You want to know how hard it was to not, as soon as I land, not stack my schedule ever tomorrow, Sunday, you know, it's the Lord's day in some practices, right? I have tried to schedule that day the way that I would a work day. I do it without even realizing it. I have to have God's help. Other people are going to be fine. If they don't get a call from me one hour after I land at my airport, I am not that important. Why can't I just be? And so that's the question that I sit with. Elizabeth. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Great example. Why can't I just be? (laughs) You know, last week we talked about this idea of God removed 100% of our alcoholism or our food or our you know, controlling whatever program you're in, but why, why can't he remove 100% all of these other things? And, you know, that that's the question we were pondering last week. So I'm going to shift. I want to read something when Gwen took me through the steps and the way that I take women through the steps, when we get to six and seven, we read two pieces of outside literature. One is, um, uh, Joe McCuney's, the steps we took. And then the other is it's from a Thomas Keating interview and it's called the connectivity of steps six, seven, and 11. There's so much information in both of those. There's no way possible we could cover it all in just this one meeting in 30 minutes. But this, after reading through, you know, this, this is something that really was super powerful. And Kate and I were like, let's share this. So we need, we're at step, we're at this, this humbly asking, right? We're, so we're talking about prayer. And in the writing, the, the the interviewer asked Thomas Keating about this connectivity between six, seven, and 11. And this is what he says. He says, the practice of prayer and especially meditation, which is a movement of prayer beyond mere external words, involves not just thinking, but also the effective side, which is the emotional side of our nature. In other words, meditation in its beginning stages involves finding a certain nourishment, benefit or profit in reflecting on God as presented in the sacred sacred scriptures, or in our case, we use that, um, you know, we use that seven step prayer and all the other prayers in the book. Certainly, it would be one of the things to look into in order to get acquainted with God. As our feelings begin to change towards God and we experience the goodness of God, we begin to want to respond to the beauty, the truth, and the goodness revealed in the writings about God or serious reflections about the ultimate reality. And in the big book, it talks about you know, we make use of what spiritual people have to offer, right? They've been doing this for a long time. And and so we can make use of some of that. Um, We now have a new motivation. So by this time that we're at step seven, we've got this new motivation. It's backed up by positive feelings. We've begun to have some experiences of our own that this, these steps just might work for me. And take me from where I am to where 
God wants me to be. We now have a new motivation. It's backed up by positive feelings that balance off the negative feelings that we had in the past. So when that meditation advances to a place beyond thinking, we are ready to change and that it does not seem so hard anymore. That line is so important for me to read and was so important when I read it with my sponsor because oftentimes I hear that the mind doesn't stop. And he's saying that when meditation advances to a place beyond thinking, we are ready to change. So he's saying that as long as I'm in my mind, I'm still in self-reliance and that there is an opportunity and a place, and in my experience, this is true, where the mind stops. Maybe it's for a millisecond. Maybe then it's two milliseconds and so on and so on. And and he talks about the progression of this meditation practice. And then he tells us we want to be like God. We want to respond to this goodness. It resonates with our true self, which is our basic goodness. This is an important point. Meditation awakens the realization not only of our faults and weaknesses, but also of our basic goodness. The whole psyche wants to respond to this new awakening of our relationship with God. At the same time, we have the increasing sense of our weakness to do so under our own power because our habits of behavior that are negative and deeply set and also because we like some of our faults we don't want to give them up yet right we would just assume god would not heal because we're not we're not quite ready so basically we want to be healed and we don't want to be healed at the same time and it's this confrontation right it becomes more and more unbearable until finally we say if I really want to deepen this relationship, I have to let go of my fault. I have to let go of this defect. So we try, but we still can't do it because we're not able to, we don't have the power to do it. The effort to overcome our faults gradually persuades us that our life is unmanageable. So here we are bounced back at step one right? Gradually, we practice this defect. We practice it over time until we get to that place where, oh, we're powerless. We see it. We feel it. We taste it. The effort to overcome our fault gradually persuades us that our life is unmanageable because with the best of our intentions, we can't do it because I know I can't do it. So I have to know I can't do it. I have to wake up to the ABCs again, right? I can't, he can, I can't, no human power can. That's the moment I finally, I, I get, God, take this, take this, take this away. And he says, the pain of not succeeding becomes a cry for help that is totally sincere. It is the cry for help that pierces the clouds. And that's 
the process of this step, right? And then he goes on to say, the only prayer you really need to say is help. It's right to the point. And we have, we humbly ask. Um, it describes what we need when we say help. And when it comes from the heart that is broken by its own failures, it moves God to the very roots of the divine nature and God responds. It is not a question of forgiveness because he's already forgiven us as soon as we want to change, but to give us the ability to be free of the straitjacket of the emotional programs for happiness based on those instinctual instincts. And then that's how it works, right? We got to rely on God. So, you know, this question of why can't it be removed 100%, I'm gradually waking up to the ways in which I'm blocking God from entering into my heart. And for me, what has awoken in me and what I've seen is that when I take that step and I, I'm standing almost like it, it's a, you can visualize yourself standing feet, a little hip, a little uh, further than hip width apart. If you want to do this, close your eyes. You could do it with me. When I'm standing there on my foundation, feet a little, little more than hip width apart, and I turn to the left and I look at steps one through six, I am in my head. I am running from the mind, the mind, the mind. When we get to seven, we turn to the right and we look at seven through 12. That Those steps, seven through 12 are the steps. It's the practical practice that allows me to moment by moment, turn back to center, drop to my knees and humbly ask. And so as long as I'm living at this point, and most of us here have been through this work. So we, we've already have a practice of using eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. Those are the moment to moment steps. And, and step seven is really step three, two and three. Step six is, oh my God, what one, I'm powerless again, right? So it's this continual practice, this evolution that happens within me. It can only happen inside of me. It can't happen outside of me. So every so 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 for me to keep it real simple, every time I look outward, I'm going the wrong way. And that gives me the ability to go, oh, I just need to like Kate shared about her example. I just need to stop. And I was talking to a girl yesterday, years sober. And her mind kept feeding her the reasons why she couldn't sit, the reasons why she couldn't pray, the reasons why she couldn't. And that's what the mind does. That's what my mind does, too. And it's like I, I, when it's like that and it's so busy, I have to physically take myself, take myself to the place I feel the power, the ocean, the park. I used to run to Central Park all the time because it's the only place I felt God. I have to physically, a bookstore, a museum, my back, you know, wherever I have to 
physically take myself. And that's what we learn here, right? We take the mental and the physical. When it's da, 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 we bring it because we I need something bigger. I need something big to intervene, something more powerful than my mind. And my mind can be seem really powerful at times. So that physical movement, I used to swim in early sobriety. And when I'd get under the water, I'd scream. Like I had to do physical stuff to move. And sometimes I still do. And so I say that all to say, I only have to stop. And this step allows me to drop to my knees. You know, whether you do that metaphysically or, you you know, metaphorically, or you do that in real, um, doesn't really matter. But when we stop and when I ask, I'm always given, I'm always given, I'm always given. There's never a time that I'm not given. And a lot of times I don't even know what it is I need, but I'm always given when I stop. That's why when he talks about the progression of meditation and the stopping of the mind, and that's where change occurs. That's important for me to remember. So, all right. Well, we're at meditation time. Meditation time. Kate, you have anything you want to say before we go into meditation? I was just thinking, just in this moment, in this moment, I have a choice about what I'm willing to let go of so that I can receive because God is always giving. Just this moment, I'm stopping and I'm turning. Just this moment. Beautiful. Well, I think for our meditation, the way we'll start it is I'll read the seven step prayer from the big book. So if everybody wants to get in a comfortable spot, and close your eyes or keep them partly closed or keep them open, whatever works for you. I'll read the prayer and... And we'll, Kate, you'll set the timer. Thank you. And we'll um, mind the time and let you know when it's time for sharing. When we're ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven.
that's the end of our meditation. We will now go to a show of hands. When sharing, we 